You are tuning into Immuno-Oncology Talks, the podcast about immunotherapy treatments for cancer and hematological malignancies. Welcome to our podcast, the Immuno-Oncology Talks. I'm Aristi Fernandez from the Oncology Medical Department of Sanofi North Europe. And together with me in the studio today, I have my colleague, Mali Colomb-Agahuso, also from Sanofi, and our special guest, Professor Marjolaine van Egmont. Today's topic is on neutrophils and how they can be targeted in cancer treatment. Our guest, Marjolaine van Egmont, is a professor of oncology and inflammation at the Department of Molecular Cell Biology and Immunology at the Amsterdam University Medical Center in the Netherlands. She specializes on the innate immune system and is focusing uh, on elucidating the therapeutic potential of uh, neutrophils in cancer with a specific interest in IgA antibodies. So welcome both of you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, the pleasure is mine as well. So shall we kick off with uh, our first uh, question? Yeah, we were wondering what are actually neutrophils and what is their uh, physiological function? So neutrophils are, an, well, an immune cell, an example of an immune cell, and they're in fact the most abundant immune cells in the circulation. So about 60, on average, 60% of um, the white blood cells in the blood are uh, neutrophils. So this is a tremendous force of immune cells. So they uh, circulate in the blood, so they're not really in the tissues, but once you have an infection, and then especially a bacterial infection, they will migrate to where the infection is, and then they'll start killing the uh, pathogens. Um, so following up on that, what role do the neutrophils play in cancer then? And how does the neutrophil-mediated elimination of tumor cells work? So in cancer, um, it's it's not completely clear yet. Um, there's now more and more evidence that in cancer, neutrophils actually play a harmful role. So that they have more immune suppressive functions, so they can suppress T-cell function. So there also seems to be correlation with if you have a high number of neutrophils that sometimes correlate with a poor prognosis. And that is because uh, neutrophils by themselves are not very effective in recognizing uh, tumor cells. So they specialize in recognizing uh, bacteria or pathogens. Um, they have receptors for that, um, but they don't have receptors to recognize tumor cells. And that is why you need antibodies. Because antibodies can bind to the tumor cell, so you need to have an antibody that binds to a tumor-associated uh, antigen. And then via the tail, what we call the FC tail, um, they can act or, or interact with neutrophils, that's receptors for the FC tail. So basically the antibody will then link the neutrophils to the tumor cells, and then they can start killing. Great, thank you for your uh, answer, <laughs> Marjolaine. Moving on to the next question, you were alluding to it, uh, as you said in your answer. The mechanism of killing. So what is the mechanism behind the neutrophil-mediated killing? Well, that's also um, uh, not completely solved yet. That we, we do have now a, a better feeling. So uh, neutrophils, they have uh, many different ways in which they can kill bacteria. So they can uh, degranulate, uh, they can phagocytose, they can produce reactive oxygen species. They can release uh, what we refer to as the neutrophil extracellular traps. Mm-hmm. And um, so a lot of people have been investigating if these uh, are also involved in a killing of tumor cells. And, uh, it, and that's kind of interesting. So especially people at St. Queen, so the blood bank, they have used um, neutrophils from patients that have deficiency in neutrophil function. 
And then they found out that basically, you know, if they cannot produce reactive oxygen species, they can still kill. If they cannot degranulate, they can still kill. And it's, it now seems more like a more mechanical force. So um, that they rip off parts of the tumor cell. So it's really just by pulling on the tumor cell, they rip off a part of the membrane. And then ultimately, uh, the, the tumor cell, well, cannot maintain homeostasis because, you know, basically someone is just literally ripping you apart. So that's kind of a very special way in which neutrophils uh, seem to kill tumor cells. And it's also an advantage because, for instance, like uh, T cells or NK cells, they really kill by inducing apoptosis. Yeah. And you often see that uh, tumor cells have mutations in apoptotic pathways, so they're more resistant. But then they will not be resistant uh, for neutrophil-mediated killing because that's a completely different way of killing. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah it's, it's more like sort of a medieval torture yeah, mechanism, yeah. just ripping apart uh, your targets. Yes. Yeah, yeah, sounds very efficient. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, when it comes to the mechanism behind the, the neutrophils mediated uh, cell killing, I've uh, heard that uh, trogocytosis uh, is um, one way. C- could you explain a bit more how this uh, cell death pathway is uh, Yeah, so trogocytosis was originally described as sort of membrane exchange. So a lot of cells actually do that. So you see a lot of uh, membrane exchange between, for instance, lymphocytes and and tumor cells. And uh, we also see it by macrophages. So then we see that macrophages take little bites out of uh, tumor cells. And somehow... That does not result in tumor death, but when neutrophils do it, then ultimately it does involve tumor cell death. That's that's also referred to as trogoptosis, as a sort of new kind of cell death. And the difference is, again, not completely clear, but it, um, it seems that it has to do with the amount of trochocytosis. So if you take a lot of bites, then ultimately uh, a tumor cell cannot maintain homeostasis or maybe the strength of the pooling. So they just pull harder. Um, so it, it really seems that they, yeah, well, they, they take bites uh, out of the tumor cells and that is referred to as trochocytosis. And then the tumor cell that is referred to as trochoptosis. When I've heard about uh, the mediated killing, I also heard uh, the expression of net and uh, net release. Uh, could you elaborate a bit more on that? Yes, this is really a kind of an interesting. So, so neutrophils are um, a bit like kamikaze cells. So what they do, they get activated um, and then they start releasing all kinds of uh, toxic components, including the nets. And nets are mostly uh, DNA. So they release their DNA as uh, st- um, well, traps. Um, and also some cellular components that are toxic for bacteria. And in that sense, they, they can trap bacteria and then the bacteria will not spread further. So um, it's not clear if the nets are also involved in killing of tumor cells. And that there is actually evidence that they may be sort of beneficial for tumor cells because they kind of shield the tumor cells from the immune system. Uh, they help with the metastasis. So it's kind of, you know, the, the, the neutrophils in a way gets activated and then explodes and release all its nuclear and cellular contents. In the case of bacteria, that seems to be beneficial because then you can trap the bacteria and and stop them from spreading. But in the case of tumor cells, it seems to facilitate tumor growth and metastasis. Does neutrophil-mediated killing also involve other immune cells? And uh, what, what are these immune cells? Well, that's interesting. So previously, it was really thought that neutrophils are, uh, well, they are end-stage cells. That's that's true. So they go into a tissue, 
kill something and then it was thought that they would die and that was it. Uh, but now it's actually becoming clear that they can secrete a lot of different cytokines and chemokines that can also activate other immune cells. So basically there's kind of crosstalk with almost all other immune cells, especially also with dendritic cells. So um, there's really also a direct cell-cell contact between neutrophils and dendritic cells. So it seems like they're kind of the, the messengers and they uh, provide other immune cells with information. They can attract other immune cells, activate other immune cells. But that's also the reason why we would like to um, target neutrophils because in that way, we would really like to create kind of inflammation in the tumor and get us in, in situ immune response. So really alert the dendritic cells that there's something wrong, uh, that they have to get activated. So, you know, you get then activation of T cells. So that's the purpose why we would like to um, activate neutrophils in cancer. Thank you. And then in, in what way do the neutrophils affect the cytolytic activity of other immune cells? Is that known? It's not really known, but we, but we do know is that, of course, in many tumors, you have an immune suppressive environment and you have like T cell exhaustion and uh, neutrophils contribute to that. So without antibodies, they seem to actually contribute to this immune suppressive uh, environment. But if you activate them with an antibody, they become very pro-inflammatory. So what we hope, and that's sort of the hypothesis or what we anticipate, that by the activation of the neutrophils, you get a pro-inflammatory environment that will overcome this immune uh, suppression. So hopefully then also all other immune cells can perform their functions. Looking a bit closer into the antibodies, what class of antibodies are frequently used for uh, antibody therapy? So uh, currently it's mostly IgG um, and that's, well, very effective uh, for, because IgG can activate um, uh, like NK cells and macrophages and the complement pathway. Of course, you can also use this for neutralization. So for instance, if you have uh, like EGFR, it's a growth factor receptor that is overexpressed in tumor cells. So if you block the receptor with an antibody, then EGF cannot bind and then it it's interferes with growth. So that is all things that um, IgG can do. But IgG is not very effective in recruiting neutrophils. And that is why we are interested in IgA, because we discovered that IgA very potently activates neutrophils, uh, way more potent than IgG. And very importantly, if neutrophils get activated by IgA, they respond by uh, releasing else before. It is a very potent chemoattractant for neutrophils. So that will attract more neutrophils. So basically, as long as the IgA complex is there, um, every um, recruited neutrophil will respond by recruiting more neutrophils. So in this way, you really create a whole army that is going to attack the tumor. So that is why we are interested in IgA. Have neutrophils historically been uh, targeted? And if so, how, uh, yeah, what was the rationale behind it? No, so um, we don't think that, that they are involved in current uh, therapies. And that is because the current antibody therapies, uh, usually people using an IgG antibody. And even though IgG, of course, neutrophils have uh, FC receptors for IgG, so IgG can link neutrophils with tumor cells, uh, still it doesn't seem that the killing is that effective. So for the IgG, it's, it's probably more the NK cells that are involved and the macrophages. So in the current antibody therapies, we don't think um, that neutrophils are really recruited in tumor therapy. And of course, we like to change that. At this moment, there are not really any studies or clinical studies specifically targeting uh, neutrophils. 
So what is it that makes the IgA antibodies uh, so advantageous when it comes to the neutrophils? That mechanism known? Yeah, so that's kind of the million dollar question. So it's it's not just uh, for the neutrophils, it's actually also for, um, for monocytes. We know the signaling via IgA receptor, FC alpha receptor is stronger than via um, FC gamma receptors, the IgG receptors. But what exactly is the defining difference? That's not something that we know at this moment, but it is something that we are studying at this moment. How did the idea come up to target neutrophils in cancer? Well, to be honest, that was not our idea originally. So it was already proposed by Thomas Valerius um, in 1997. We continued working on IgA. And when we discovered that IgA gives neutrophil recruitment, we also found out that it plays uh, probably a very harmful role in certain autoimmune diseases. And the most clear example is a blistering disease um, in which patients make also IgA against the skin. This activates neutrophils. And then we saw, of course, that the activated neutrophils will attract more neutrophils. And ultimately, they will just destroy the skin. And these patients get uh, very nasty blisters. So, of course, then you want to stop that. But then we thought, okay, if the combination of IgA and neutrophils can give so much tissue damage, that would, of course, be great if you can somehow get that to work in cancer. So that is why we were really pursuing, or we are really pursuing this, this, uh, um, well, this topic, because now we've actually seen in patients that it can induce a lot of tissue damage. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, what is currently the most studied neutrophil target for immunotherapy in cancer? Well, I would say there is, is one company that is looking at um, anti-GD2 uh, antibodies. So that's a target in uh, glioblastoma. And um, so that's, as far as I know, uh, the furthest in clinical development. They're really in, uh, looking into that. Uh, so we, as a sort of well proof of concept target molecule, we're, we're looking at EGFR because EGFR, um, of course, there are already antibodies against EGFR um, that are used in metastasized uh, colorectal cancer. And uh, the department where I, I work has a major uh, interest in colorectal cancer. This for us, that is the uh, sort of the, well, first candidate, yes. So are there any combinational treatments that have shown to be, you know, uh, efficient together with the uh with neutrophils? Yes, um, so um, there are also neutrophils or basically myeloid cells, so neutrophils and macrophages, they also have checkpoints. So I think most people are aware of the checkpoint inhibitors that target the T cells, uh, but also for the myeloid cells, there is are checkpoints and that's the SERP-alpha uh, CD47 pathway. So all cells express CD47, it's a sort of don't eat me signal, so that's prevent phagocytosis by uh, macrophages and attacked by neutrophils because they, those cells express SERP-alpha, so it's an inhibitory receptor. And tumor cells have often upregulated the CD47. So really sort of the don't eat me signal, uh, but then emphasized. And um, so there is now development of anti-CD47 or anti-SERP-alpha antibodies to block these checkpoints. Um, I think that is currently most people then think about um, activating macrophages and not necessarily neutrophils, but in fact, also the neutrophils will be activated. So um, I think that in combination therapy where you would give an antibody for the neutrophils uh, so that they can recognize the target and a checkpoint inhibitor, either anti-CD47 or anti-SERP-alpha, that might probably give the best killing. Uh, is SERP alpha continuously expressed on uh, all cells or does this expression come up or goes down uh, 
during uh, cancer? No, so the, so the SERP alpha seems to be continuously expressed. Um, so it's, it's really sort of prevents also attack of normal cells. So what you see is uh, that the ligand, so the CD47 is upregulated on tumor cells, but the SERP alpha seems to be always present. Um, and I'm not aware of, for instance, cytokines that will up or down regulate uh, SERP alpha significantly. And, and does the targeting of, of the CD47 or, or uh, SIRP alpha influence the neutrophils' interaction uh, with other immune cells? That has not been studied yet. Some people have studied what happens with tumor cell killing. So indeed, if you block the interaction between SIRP alpha and CD47, you see more killing um, of the tumor cells. But what we anticipate, because basically you get more activation of neutrophils, so we think you will have a more pro-inflammatory environment and therefore a more effect on other immune cells. So indeed, we do think that probably this will also then sort of indirectly activate other immune cells. And uh, what are currently the main challenges or hurdles in targeting neutrophils? Well, um, a, a question that I often get is like, is it safe? Um, and you can imagine if all your neutrophils, because there are so many of them, uh, they sort of get activated all at the same time. Uh, people are worried about cytokine storm. Um, so that's, I think, uh, uh, might be a hurdle. And also the other thing, of course, it's very difficult to find specific tumor antigens. So usually it's upregulation of an existing antigen, like EGFR is also expressed on normal cells. So you don't want to have off-target um, activation because then your neutrophils may also kill your normal cells. So finding a really uh, good specific tumor target without affecting normal cells, I think that's, uh, again, one of the major hurdles. So it, it mostly revolves about, uh, around safety. And so regarding safety and regarding the hurdles of uh, targeting neutrophils, how far in the clinic are we with this uh, neutrophil targets in uh, uh, with regards to, uh, for instance, EGFR targeting? Yeah, that's a, a, a still early days. Um, so the, the anti-CD47 antibodies, um, those are actually quite far. So several large phase three trials have been performed and actually we kind of expect approval uh, of the first anti-CD47 antibody any day now. But as I said, it it's probably uh, affects macrophages more than neutrophils because um, you also still need the antibody that uh, sort of binds the neutrophils to the tumor cells. So there is now one company in the United States that's developing IgA against GD2. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, we are hoping that we can start clinical development, but it's all early days. And, and are the results that have been seen so far uh, from the preclinical setting, are, are they uh, kind of mirroring the clinical setting? Is it what one would have expected or? Well, there's, there's hardly any information. Well, of course, uh, so basically antibodies that, that will really activate neutrophils have not been tried in the clinic yet. So uh, we don't know. So that's that's kind of the um, yeah the, the big challenge, of course, getting the the development, uh, clinical development, and then well try the first patient, and and that's the moment when we actually will discover if it works or not. So what what has the what's the safety profile? What does it look like right now? Um, you mentioned that, for instance, the CD forty seven is is soon to be to be approved. So uh, yes, so that is um, the the biggest problem with the uh, the anti CD forty seven um, antibodies is that uh, CD forty seven is also expressed on erythrocytes. So um, anemia is a big problem. 
Uh, but there are ways to circumvent that. So they also developed now new anti-CD47 antibodies that uh, affect uh, the um, erythrocyte less. So I would say, of course, um, all these treatments, they do have side effects, but compared to traditional treatments for cancer, like the chemotherapy and the radiotherapy, and of course, also the checkpoint inhibitors, which can give some really bad side effects, this falls in the same category. So yes, there are side effects, but um, they're manageable. And, and, and what tumor types are mo most eligible for this type of treatment? So we think that solid tumors or metastasis are probably most eligible for two reasons. Uh, first of all, as I mentioned, the neutrophils need a mechanical force, so they need to be able to pull on the tumor cells. And with the leukemic cells, um, it's difficult to exert that force because you know the, they're not really sort of binding uh, to something. Uh, so we think a solid tumor um, is more appropriate because then the neutrophils can really, they can go into the tumor and really pull on the tumor cells. And the other thing also has to do with the safety. Uh, so we know that um, having a localized um, activation of neutrophils in patients, so the autoimmune patients, so you get a lot of uh, local tissue damage, but these people do not develop cytokine storm or other kind of serious problems. So we think if you have a localized tumor, then probably you will not have those kind of problems. But if you have like a leukemic tumor that's all over the body, then basically you, you will activate all your neutrophils at the same time all over the body. Um, that might actually give cytokine storm. So that's why we're aiming for a localized tumor so you can lo get local inflammation. So not too many systemic problems. Could you please elaborate more on the anti-GD2 treatment yes it's actually kind of interesting so it was discovered uh, in utrecht uh, by another group of Jeanette leuze and um so so there was also development of the igg anti-cd2 uh, but um, th that somehow gives a lot of pain complaints probably because of activation of the complement pathway and iga is not very good in activating the complement pathway so they discovered that um, in, in animal models these mice experience less pain if they use an iga so i think that's the main reason why they are now trying to develop that for clinical purposes of course also because of the efficacy but also because it gives less pain than the igg mm -hmm. um, so the the challenge with iga is that it's a very difficult to produce antibody so it's, it's very glycosylated it also means that if you uh, the glycosylation is not completely right, it can be quite quickly removed from the circulation in the liver. So then you have problems with half-life, but it's also very difficult to uh, generate large batches of consistently uh, glycosylated uh, molecules. So that is why we have chosen now a different approach. So as I mentioned, we are interested in targeting EGFR, but we're not using an IgA. We're using a bispecific antibody that uh, targets uh, the receptor. So it has two arms. One arm will target EGFR, and the other arm will target the um, IgA receptor, FC alpha receptor. And we've already seen that it will just activate just as well as IgA. But because it's an IgG, it's easier to produce. And of course, all the, everyone now knows how to produce the IgAs. So that makes life just so much easier, we think. So um, just to finalize this, I must say it's been uh, very interesting to learn so much about the neutrophils in cancer. Uh, but how would you foresee the development of this field in the coming years? So uh, luckily, there is now a lot of interest also from, from companies. So I do uh, think that 
well, we will we'll, we'll start clinical development pretty soon. Uh, obviously, you, you know that uh, it, it takes quite some time to actually get it then into the clinic. So that, of course, is the moment that we know if it really works or not. Yeah, I noticed that uh, a lot of companies are interested in targeting neutrophils also because uh, like the checkpoint inhibitor fields with the T-cell uh, checkpoint inhibitors is kind of full. Um, and you always run into the problem that in the end you might have T-cell exhaustion. So companies are looking for alternatives and they do think that targeting neutrophils might be a suitable alternative. And also now, of course, when the um, anti-CD47 antibody has been approved, then getting the combination with antibodies that target neutrophils will be even more interesting. So I do think that in the coming years we see in, um, that it will uh, go much quicker than in the past, well, decades. Yes. Well, thank you. So to conclude this episode of the Breakthroughs Immuno-Oncology, I would like to thank our guest, Marjolaine, for sharing uh, her knowledge with us about neutrophils and the promising potential uh, it has for cancer treatment. And I hope uh, you have all enjoyed listening in. So thank you very much. My pleasure. Yes, thank you, Marjolaine. <laughs> thank you for tuning in to Immuno-Oncology Talks, the podcast about immunotherapy treatments for cancer and hematological malignancies. 